We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. I hope my people are having a good Monday. KJ Podcast. It's coming to you live from San Francisco, California. Your 49ers are now 0-9. 0-9. And there's a little bit of dissension in the fan base, a little bit of people getting upset and lashing out. That happens at 0-9. I'm sure it's happening behind the scenes in Santa Clara too. I'm going to tease some things. We're going to talk Ruben Foster. Everyone's gushing about the 14 tackles. I thought he was solid, not spectacular. We'll go there. We'll go C.J. Beathard. Took a pummeling, but there were some interesting stats. You know, he had 51 dropbacks. He's only pressured on about, I want to say, 18 of those. So he is holding the football too long. He's getting a ton of credit today for being tough, and I'm going to give him that. But we're going to dive in with him. But I want to start here with a tweet I had right after the game. I, I think it hit a nerve with the 49ers fans and kind of sums up the feelings here. You can support the direction of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's vision and still be pissed with the results this season. Those are not mutually exclusive. We don't live in a black and white world. 
where one side is always right, one side against the other. There's, there's two sides of this story. First and foremost, in my mind, this team ends the season at 0-9. I can't even judge them anymore when you look at the amount of injuries and the amount of players they moved on from. Brian Hoyer, no longer here. Navarro Bowman, no longer here. Rashard Robinson, no longer here. Were penciled in as going to be big-time players for our team. They've already moved on from those guys. Pierre Garçon, out for the season. Jimmy Ward, out for the season. Jaquiski Tart, out for the season. Eric Armstead, out for the season. Malcolm Smith, who's going to be a great linebacker, out for the season. Staley's been hurt a while now. check went down again. At this point, when you really look around, this is not a functional football team. They're not at the point with the depth, with the roster. They're the worst team on the field every Sunday. Every single time they line up, pretty much the opponent is better at every position, except for D-line a couple times. So you are going to be pissed the rest of the season. Games probably won't be even as close as the loss to the Cardinals here, 20-10. to 10. And, of course, every game is going to have a couple bright spots. Marquise Goodwin's going to have a 50-yard catch. Kendrick Bourne's going to start to play well. Reuben Foster will be flying around a little bit until they possibly shut him down with an ankle injury. There could be a major shutdown coming here where you shut down Juice, Reuben Foster, even if Solomon Thomas isn't playing that well. I mean, they shut down Joe Williams really early on. They shut down Joshua Garnett really early on. This was a season to get things up and established. And you look at the Rams, and I tweeted that about Sean McVay turning them around so quickly. You look at other teams who had first-year head coaches. It was a big, different situation. This was the 49ers gutted the kitchen, took out the carpets, no wallpaper on the wall. They brought in some of their own supplies. And guess what? It actually didn't go that well. Their choice of Hoyer... Shanahan's evaluation of the offensive line and where it was going to be able to take this team. Marquise Goodwin as a number two receiver. I just don't think it's working on a consistent basis where you can score touchdowns. I didn't think the offense was going to be this problematic all season. And it's changed so much, and we've had injuries, obviously. But um, my point here is that this was going to be a tougher season, but it's definitely tougher than expected at 0-9. And you're allowed to say, all right, listen, they got Garoppolo in the building. They've moved on from so many players. They've been dealt a crappy hand. No bounces are going their way. They've had some incredible pass interference calls late in games. This has been the season from hell. You can see frustration in the game. John Lynch banging a table with his fist. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's cussed out a ref almost every week. These guys are exhausted, and we still have half the season left. C.J. Beathard is getting sacked this many times and hit this many times because nobody is open. Nobody is getting open. Carlos Hyde has to have nine receptions just to move the ball down the field. You're just dinking and dunking it to him. So my point is there's, there's literally nothing left on offense. Not when you have Joe Staley out, Pierre Garçon out. Your horses are completely off the field. we got young guys learning and, and improving, but... If you're frustrated now, it's going to get more frustrating. So for me, I'm capping the year. It's 0-9. It was an 0-9 first season for the, these guys. Trent Baalke completely stripped this roster down. They had to bring in so many new people that they've been hit by an injury bug. Nothing has gone their way. The first season was essentially a waste. I mean, it really was. 
there's not going to be very many positive things taken away from this, but you can still say that Kyle and John Lynch are the right people for this. You can still give someone a longer leash. And this is the conundrum for 49ers fans and why there's conflicted feelings. All offseason, you loved John Lynch. Every time he got in front of a microphone, you couldn't get enough of it. You were reading transcripts of what he was saying. The energy was incredible. Kyle Shanahan is getting revered by everyone on NFL Network. Joe Staley players are saying, this guy is teaching us things about football we've never even wondered about. We, we just focus on our job. Now we're seeing the big picture of things. So you had all this excitement, all this new energy. Let's bring in people like Doomerville and Hoyer, a couple veterans where you were like, oh, maybe they're going to surprise some people. You had people in that media room saying nine and seven. I thought that was crazy. I was more five and 11, six and 10, but the Kool-Aid was real. The hype was real. The media was sipping out of it. And now the Kool-Aid spilled all over the floor and it's sticky and it's a situation that people don't want to be in and there's still seven games left. So yeah, you feel hoodwinked. You feel like you bought into something that was a false narrative. It's hard with the 49ers because they've made so many good decisions but they haven't won any games. Like I feel like majority of the fans understood why they got rid of Navarro Bowman. People were like fine with the Rashard Robinson trade. Everyone thinks Jimmy Garoppolo could be something special. We'll get into that Adam Schefter report a little bit later. The story here is that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are winning off the field but losing on it. So... It's a conflicted feeling for everyone involved. Because if they do go 1-15 and next year Garoppolo comes out and falls flat on his face and they go 4-12, and all of a sudden, year three, the pressure's on. The heat is on. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Things won't be as chimmy. There won't be as much smiling going on. There won't be as much transparency with the media. Things will change very quickly. So that's what happens year one when it's way worse than expected. Year two, there's got to be significant progress or year three becomes not do or die, but essentially choose your own adventure here. Are you going to turn this organization around or are you not? I think what you do have to respect, though, is for better or worse, this is their football team. This is Akilo Weatherspoon getting burnt first play of the game. This is Ruben Foster leading everything in the middle of the field. You're choosing Brock Coyle over Ray Ray Armstrong. I mean, the guys that they brought in, they're, they're playing. C.J. Beathard, they, I thought the timing when they replaced him with Hoyer, that was right, but the team hasn't been competitive in games that he started. This is John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's team. They're much younger than Chip Kelly and Trent Baalke's team. They're learning new systems but they very well could finish with a worse record even if Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. That's where you're going to have your 25% of 49ers fans say, I don't believe it, Kyle and John Lynch. You're going to have, your skeptics are going to be built into your fan base from here on out because of a 1-15 record when a lot of people thought they were going to come in and immediately turn things around. I want to pose this question before we start to get into the actual game. If Sean McVay came here with Wade Phillips with some type of different GM, what would the plan have been? Would it have been for a quick turnaround? Would they have aimed to get a quarterback in here, make a trade to try and spice things up immediately? Or would they have done the same as 
Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, would they have torn the roster down, said we're going to live with 1-15 if we have to because we're going to do things the right way. Just interesting to think about what a different regime would have done and come in here. And at this point, it's hard to blame the 49ers for the quote-unquote tanking and shutting people down and getting the top draft pick because they're, they're just that depleted. This is not a real NFL football team. This is possibly going to be the worst team in franchise history. A year after Chip Kelly won two games, beat the Rams in week one and week 16, and pretty much got drubbed in every other game. What sucks for Shanahan is that he played all those close games early in the season, and if he doesn't play any to end the year, you're sort of ending on a downtick. Where if you played those competitive games later and there was improvement that way, then all of a sudden you said, you know what, they started off, they figured some things out, look at all those close losses to end the season. So the close loss thing does matter, as weird as that sounds. In a rebuilding year, you're more lenient. A few weeks ago, 49ers fans were more okay with things. There was more positives to take out of games. Losing by three or less points in five straight weeks was crazy, but it was also impressive. Uh, that's what we do on the KJ podcast. We take a deeper dive. What's the fan base thinking? How's the team reacting to it? This is going to be a much-needed offseason for Kyle Shanahan, too. You think about it. Two days after the Super Bowl, he jumped right in here. I don't think he's exhausted out of his mind, but I think he's going to need some time away to really recharge, especially after all this losing. He won games in Cleveland. He hasn't lost like this since he was fired in Washington 3-13, and RG3 blowing up in his face, and was planning to sit out of football the next season until Mike Pettin called him that last late coaching hire. So he's been going hard for a while here, and I think recharging would be good for him. Let's address that Adam Schefter report that, came, that comes out Sunday morning. He's been on top of everything Niners, injury news, first with the Garoppolo trade. Clearly they have a relationship with him. He had a great relationship with Mike Shanahan too, so I don't know if that's a Kyle or a John Lynch thing, but... Shefty is reporting that the Niners would be open to trading Jimmy Garoppolo, franchise tagging him, getting more picks back, doing this grand elaborate scheme of, hey, we got him for a second, now we're getting a first. Maybe they think the Browns will want him that badly. Maybe they think he's fool's gold, not really good. Listen, if this is going to get down to the leverage thing with Don Yee and now we're leaking stuff with Schefter, I, I just don't think they actually feel this way. And if they did, why would they put it out there this immediate after the trade? It just felt like a weird report. I hope that's coming from someone other than the team. That I don't know if Schefter would run with such information, though. It just seems so foolish to, hey, we're about to go 1-15. We have what the rest of the league thinks is a franchise quarterback, but we are really smart and think we're going to draft the best players ever, so we're going to trade him and get a bunch of draft picks and then pick our quarterback because we're doing things slowly in the right way. That, that just feels too much. You're, you're trying too hard here. You have a bird in the hand. He's got a great arm. He can make off schedule plays. He's athletic. 
came in there for two weeks and looked like Tom Brady light. There's a chance here that this could be a franchise quarterback. It would make zero sense not to test run him for at least a year, if not two, to figure out if he's your guy. Um, uh, I hope that reports bogus. But when it is Schefter, a lot of these big insiders get pulled around. You can tell they're putting information out there just to spin a story. Schefter is normally not that guy. He's going with accurate information. I get it. The 49ers are going to weigh all their options here, but I don't think trading Jimmy Garoppolo is a good idea, even if you get a big reward back. You already have a ton of draft picks and so much cap room. At a certain point, you need players. This this vision has to be executed. Not to always go back to the Browns, but that's what they do. They trade down. They pass on Wentz and Watson. And they pick in the middle of the first round, and the players don't have as big of an impact. So I'm not for trading Jimmy Garoppolo, even if he comes in. Last podcast was all about his playing time. Quickly, I'm of the favor now. He could play this week or sit out after the bye. I would like to see him in December for a couple games for sure. I don't think he would get sacked and hit as much as... C.J. Beathard for a couple reasons. One, Garoppolo can throw people open. His arm is more of a weapon. He'll be willing to take chances. Two, C.J. Beathard, this was his problem at Iowa. He is tough in the pocket and is not scared to get hit. But boy, will he hold on to the ball for too long. You saw his one interception was a fluke off the helmet, but it seems like he's tentative to throw picks, which you should as a rookie quarterback, but if you're going to get sacked that many times, you're not giving the offense a chance. Trent Brown was one of the higher-rated guys on PFF. So was Brandon Fusco. So the Cardinals were blitzing a lot. They have a good front seven. Carlos Dansby was flying around everywhere. Peters was pushing the pocket. But to me, it's not going to look the same with Jimmy Garoppolo in there as C.J. Beathard. Jimmy G is going to be able to process quicker, get rid of the ball quicker. He might get hit some. By the way, Kyle, CJ is playing really well out of the shotgun. The end of the first half there, before things got bungled, he was moving the ball from the 20 to field goal range very quickly. So I do think putting him in the shotgun more, like I said earlier too, when you're throwing the ball to Carlos Hyde for nine receptions there, you're just trying to get rid of the football. The offense can't execute the plays that Kyle did in Atlanta or did even in Cleveland at this point. They're they're doing the basics out there. I think it would be better with Jimmy Garoppolo, even though his knowledge of the offense isn't the same. It's just he's he can throw the football and that's a big deal. Sorry my mic sucks when I say B's and P's. It's a little annoying, I'm sure. Love my people for sticking with this podcast. Bay Area fans are really smart and knowledgeable. They also are obsessed with Ruben Foster. Anytime anyone tweets anything positive about him, people go bananas. And I like the 14 tackles. I still haven't seen the coach's film, but going back and watching the game, he made one really good play in coverage that helped Eric Reed have the interception in the end zone. He got in a throwing lane there. But I wasn't thrilled with him in coverage. That's going to take some time. Um... He wasn't getting in the backfield a lot, and that may not have been part of the game plan and the scheme. But uh, I thought he was, you know, a B, B plus at best. I, I didn't think this was, this was kind of a game where 
Adrian Peterson ran the ball 36 times. So Reuben Foster got a lot of tackles because they were running right at him and they were having success. They took the game out of Drew Stanton's hands and said, AP, do your thing. We'll take an ugly win at San Francisco. Um, Buckner, love him. 49ers getting pressure. They're not getting the sacks. And you saw one of those pressures, Drew Stanton threw a touchdown. Again, I'm going to always tell you, pressures is a flawed stat to judge. I do think Buckner could make the Pro Bowl as an alternate, just given the 49ers record. He's probably not going to be one of the first few chosen. But you have some injuries late in the year, or you have uh, some guys going to the Super Bowl. Instead, Buckner could find himself in the Pro Bowl. I'm not sure where it is this year. I would hope Hawaii, his home state. Speaking of Eric Reed, good to see him back at safety. Seems like that's his natural home. Jerking him around with the linebacker thing, that may have been a last straw situation where he's ready to move on somewhere else. But also got to remember with his protesting, he may not be welcome everywhere around the league. Certainly not Buffalo. Um, You have your cities, Houston, Dallas, those owners. So... Eric Reed made a play. I mean, he's he's the best player, most experienced guy on defense now. Buckner's your best player. Reuben Foster's your firecracker. Eric Reed's your solid guy who you're going to count on to get a turnover, make some key stops on third down. Really sucks about Jaquiski Tart going down. I thought he was having a great year. I've been very critical of him in the past. Thought he was a chess piece. They just never knew where to use or put Clearly, they chose him at safety over Eric Reed. They thought that it could be a long-term thing for him. I love him in the box. That sucks. Back-to-back weeks, him and Jimmy Ward going down. Jimmy Ward missed all of training camp in the preseason, too. He just didn't get enough reps in this system where you're going to feel comfortable in year two that he's going to be that lockdown, deep safety. Mm, Not a lot of things went right this season. Buckner is one. Foster, you can't even count. Let's get. Yeah, I didn't go enough there. He's an injury-prone player, guys. I know that he was fighting through the high ankle sprain and went back out there and battled, but he came down again. He has not played what is three NFL games now, and he's not made it through a full game without being taken off with the trainers. Very concerning. I love him more than all of you. He was very funny. We had great interactions. He's probably one of the main reasons I miss being in Santa Clara every day. I'm I'm with you with Ruben Foster. Think he can be special. I also don't know how many years he can do this at an elite level where he's on the field hopefully 13 games a season. His style, it's vicious, it's ruthless, it's reckless. I've suggested this before on Taylor Price's podcast. John Lynch should be his mentor this offseason. Watching film, how to hit people, how to stay in the league as long as John Lynch did. They might have to change his style of play to keep him on the field. And we talked about this steal at 31, Reuben Foster. Listen, other teams said he's, he's going to be hurt. He, Nick Saban ran him into a wall at Alabama. He played with a broken arm in high school. I mean, he's just constantly injured. That's been his story. That was... Part of the story, the rookie season, um, I am not opposed to him missing some more games here too. 
he does need the snaps and you want to feel good about the direction where he can play the Mike linebacker. He wasn't playing Mike every down. They gave Brock Coyle some of those responsibilities. There are some things that Reuben Foster has to learn. Um, listen, I, I love him. I, I love him. I love Savage. I love 56. I'm concerned about the injuries. I hate to be this guy, but I am. The gif I did post after the game was this little elephant just getting kicked and flipped over. But at the end, this is what I wanted people to take away from that. The little elephant got up and started walking. And you've seen that with this 49ers team. They really haven't quit. This isn't like last year where the run defense was one of the worst in NFL history where you just had people showing up to work and cashing their checks and saying, it's clear Trent Baalke's getting fired. It's clear Chip Kelly, this is not working. I don't see those vibes when I watch this team, when I look at the press conferences, when I talk to the people I do in Santa Clara. Um, I still don't see mass devastation where you know Kyle and John are on the hot seat. And this is a painful season. You're going to hate it. I mean, yesterday felt like week 15. It felt like, oh, God, the season's almost over. We're limping to the finish line. Thank God. There's still seven games left. That's the crazy part. There's a bye week coming up, and that'll really help. Got the Giants next week. Stunningly, the Niners are actually favored. That's how bad the Giants are. New York could be having a new head coach, new GM, new rookie quarterback next season. Things happen quickly in the NFL. I mean, the Giants were a trendy preseason Super Bowl pick to play the Patriots in a trilogy. I saw that multiple places. And now they're about to go 3-13. and This league is crazy, guys. That's why a turnaround could happen next year for the Niners. Or they're bad again and year three becomes an actual hot seat year. But it's not there yet. Part of this fan base is going to remain skeptical because they've been served this crap for several years now. They see the Rams. They see the Bills. You're going to see the Jaguars in the playoffs. You're going to see teams you haven't seen in the playoffs in quite a bit with new head coaches, with Doug Marone. You have the Saints turn it around. Turnarounds are happening in other cities. As Ray Ratto called the 49ers, Browns West. This has been Browns West the last three years. Why is that? Hey, Kyle and John are going to do it the right way. It's going to take a while. Let's hope it's with Jimmy G, a skill player in the top five, a reloaded offensive line, another free agent wide receiver to go with Pierre Garcon. The offense will be set. Year two on defense I think will be a little bit better too. But honestly, back to Akilah Weatherspoon real quickly before we end this podcast. I don't know the baptism by fire thing is a good approach in the NFL. He could become so scarred next year that he's back to the bench next year. If you're serious about winning, you're going to have to get two corners, one in the draft and one high-priced free agent. We'll see because there's still a lot of football left. But there's going to be Richard Robinson-like traits here from Akilah Weatherspoon. Very long, very fragile, going to get beat in the red zone often by bigger bodies like Gresham did. Um, yeah, I don't think he was ready to be a starter this year, but at this point, why not? 
this is essentially the preseason, guys. This is essentially let's get guys practice time and reps. Let's hope Kendrick Bourne can make another nice catch like he did. I want to give C.J. Beathard some props, too. I was hard on him there. He did take the beating. The drive in the third quarter was great. He did make some plays. I think he can be a backup in this league for sure. And, God, he might actually play the whole season. Kyle might just say, we're that bad. Jimmy G's going to go out there and not look good. We're going to not feel good about things. I don't know yet. It's too early to predict that. But I would hope Jimmy G plays some. I'm rambling now. It's to that point of the podcast. I, God, I, I love doing this. And I'm glad you're listening. The numbers keep increasing. Keep sharing. Keep retweeting. Throw me a bone here. I thank KMBR for helping me get in the door in San Francisco and develop this audience. It's been a thrill. Uh, shout out to my boy Kevin Franz in here. Really getting upset on Twitter. Like he's the first person to ever predict Saquon Barkley to the Niners would be a good fit. Like I'm really checking your page and stealing that tweet from you. I mean, dude, why is he complaining about life? He played Major League Baseball as a beautiful wife. Bro, just because I'm getting a lot more retweets than you and a lot more people like my sports opinions than yours doesn't mean you have to be upset. Wanted to just give you a quick shout out, Kev. (laughs) Alright, I'll do another one in the middle of the week. This is too fun. I don't know what the hell we're talking about, but um, it's the 0-9 San Francisco 49ers. It'll get better. I still believe in John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. You should too. KJ Podcast, we're out. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High fashion. Old Navy. Valid 830 to 93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees.